Call again, right? Blog Talk Radio. Yes. Okay. Good morning, good morning, good morning, you guys out there. This morning, as, as always, I'm running around. It's Saturday morning trying to get things done and get ready for today's show. And I have a little trouble with one of my laptops. But I want to say good morning to everybody again. It is a gorgeous day here in Atlanta, Georgia. And our guest is dialing in international. So it's midnight where he is, even though in the New York City time, and I know different parts of the United States, some places it might be 10 o'clock, some places it might be only 8 o'clock here in the U.S. So we thank all of you, our loyal off-the-shelf listeners, regardless of the time it is where you are for joining us uh, here at Off the Shelf on this last Saturday in July. So we want to welcome you and thank you. And I I want to start today with this quote that I want to leave with you. I, I started several months ago starting the show with a quote for you to think about. And the quote for today's July 29th show is, I survived because the fire inside me burned brighter than the fire around me. You know, I just thought about this. That kind of lines up with a, a scripture, something Christ is credited with saying in the Bible where he says, greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. I'm not sure who is responsible for this quote. I survived because the fire inside me burned brighter than the fire around me. We we definitely have what it takes to live a good life. As our guest, Andy, when we start talking about uh, his books, will give us more insight from his perspective on. So, again, I want to welcome you, welcome you, and ask you how good of a mystery sleuth are you and how much, how important are relationships to you. Some of us are very focused on ourselves. And I, I, I find that the more I focus on me, the less happy I feel. That also kind of tunes into today's show, although I didn't intend it for it to, for, for that reason. That's not why I said it. But the more I focus on me, it, it that is just an odd thing. And we feel like we have to take care of ourselves. We have to, we have to protect ourselves. We seek after comfort, and these things that we go after actually keep us from our destinies and the good that we could be exposed. The path we take is not going to get us where we're trying to be. And this is something that Raymond Clark has to learn and love pour over me. And some of the other characters, Raymond has four great friends that he meets in college. His early life is very turbulent. His father has untreated alcoholism. And anybody living with a parent with that can just imagine, and Raymond's also an only child, what he's gone through. But he also is a track and field I mean, standout. He's an academic standout, and he meets his soulmate, Brenda, when he's in college. But what he's gone through so far in his life takes a while sometimes for us to shake off that old stuff. But what's meant to be is meant to be. If you you value friendships, if you value uh, uh, seeing two people come together who are meant to be together, how they shape and influence each other and other people around them, and if you also like a murder mystery that's tucked in the story, I do believe you'll love Love Pour Over Me. And you can get a copy of Love Pour Over Me in ebook or print, Barnes & Noble, ebook it, Amazon, Walmart. If you don't see it on the shelf, just ask the clerk for it, and they can just say you want to get a copy of Love Pour Over Me by Denise Turney, and they can order a copy for you. 
because Love for Over Me is carried by some of the largest book distributors in the world. And I keep saying this every week, and I hope that instead of just listening to me say it, you will go out and get a copy of Love for Over Me. You can get a copy for about three bucks, and it's the book itself is a little over 300 pages. So almost, what is that? I don't know what that comes to per page. But I hope you go out and get a copy and let me know how you enjoy Love Pour Over Me. And now let us go and meet today's guest. His his work, he's, he's so talented. I love when I meet people who they have a, a variety of talents because he's also an illustrator, an artist, and a writer, and he, so many talents. And our special off-the-shelf guest this morning is Andy Bolger. And if I'm not saying his name right, I hope when he comes on, that he will correct me. And Andy is the author of the book, The Angel Corpse. We're going to learn a little bit more about that. What is The Angel Corpse? Andy is also a writer, illustrator, and he's just an overall creative. Other books that he's written include Letting Go. I love that title. I Like You More Each Day and A Grown-Up's Garden of Verses. You can check out more and learn more about Andy by staying tuned to Off the Shelf, and also by clicking over to Andy's website at Andy's Art, and that's a hyphen, andybolger.blogspot.com, and that's A-N-D-Y-S-A-R-T hyphen, A-N-D-Y-B-O-E-R-G-E-R.blogspot.com. Welcome to Off the Shelf, Andy. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, tell us and where I you're calling it, from so our listeners know just how uh-huh. far you're. It's midnight where he is. Tell, tell the listeners where you're dialing in from right now. It, it, is, it is now midnight in Tokyo, Japan. Wow. wow. Really appreciate it. We had another uh, uh, guest come on, and she was from dialing in somewhere from Europe, and it was like 2 in the morning. Or, or I forget uh-huh. how early it was when 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 she dialed into the show. So I want to thank uh-huh. you, uh, Andy, uh, for dialing in from Tokyo, and it, it's just a pleasure to have you here with us. Now, some of the first three to four questions I I'm going to ask you before we go into uh-huh. your books and your your specific work. Uh-huh. These are questions I ask all our guests because I would like to give our listeners sure. backstory on our guests so that we don't just dive right into questions. So to begin, uh-huh. could you tell off-the-shelf listeners where you grew up and what life was like for you growing up? Sure. Well, I, I grew up in Columbus, Ohio. So I'm actually, uh, even wow. though I'm calling from, from Tokyo, yeah, I'm not I'm not yes. that far from Atlanta in terms of where yeah, where I grew up, born, born and raised in Columbus. Um, and I, I stayed there all the way through. Uh, I went to Ohio State University, so that's where I finished up. And uh, then I've been doing some kind of some traveling since then. I spent most of most of the. I've been in Japan for for it's getting to about half of my entire life actually. So I've kind of settled here. But to return to your question, uh, mm-hmm. go ahead. Uh, well, you you asked about growing up. I I, I would just say it was yes. uh, I it was a kind of a suburban. I I grew up in the suburbs, and uh, there there were not a, a lot of kind of uh, huge dramatic experiences. It was pretty much just a, a kid growing up in the in the summer. Uh, sorry, in in the suburbs and kind of 
trying to come to terms with life that way. Uh, there, there, there were. Uh, it was, it was a pretty good. It was uh, Columbus is not such a big town, and uh, it was kind of a nice place to grow up. And I know exactly where it is. <laughs> Listening to you, <laughs> as soon as you said it, I know exactly where uh, Columbus is because I, I actually grew up in Dayton. Uh, Dayton. Oh, and then, okay. Uh, later, Knoxville, Tennessee. How did you get to Tokyo then? You you went to Ohio State, and uh-huh. you're from Columbus. So how did you get to Tokyo? Well, I think that's a really interesting story because uh, you know I, I love the name of your your uh, your interview the off off the shelf. And uh, I was I was working uh, I was still working uh, part time. Uh, I, I had pretty much just graduated, and I was working part-time at a library, and I, uh, kind of a book just sort of kind of popped off the shelf of me, which was called Work Your Way Around the World, and it uh, it had lo- it kind of just uh, in- kind of inspired the wanderlust in me. It, it wanderlust in me. It showed me that there's there's different places you can go and you can get different kinds of jobs. And I thought, well, why don't why don't I do that? Why don't I just uh, you know I'm 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 22, coming up on 23. I I can I can I can do this. And so uh, I I brought the book home and I read it and I kind of thought about different places and I finally settled on thinking that Japan would be really exciting and interesting. And that was how that whole got that whole thing got started. So you you are someone who, I guess you follow your inner guidance instead of okay let me let me do what my parents did or, or take the safe route. So it's not surprising that you wrote the book you did when you were a kid, Andy, a very young child. Mm-hmm. What did you dream of becoming when you were really wow, young? Wow, that is that is a great question because I, I mean I think like uh, I remember one time I, I think I always loved words. So uh, I, there was a time. Now this is the last, the furthest thing from what I actually became. But uh, people would ask me what what I wanted to become when I was maybe four or five, six years old. Just just ask, talking to kids, and uh, I had, I think I heard the word broker. I didn't know what it meant, uh, but I heard it on a on a TV show, and I thought, well, I'll sound really, I'll sound like I really know, you know, know my stuff if I tell people that I want to become a broker. So without even having any idea what what broker meant. I said, oh, I want to be a broker. And that was always very impressive to people. Oh, Andy Berger, you know, he's looking at me, he's five years old and he wants to be a broker. And uh, that, that, was, that obviously did not did not happen. <laughs> so, but, but it's interesting because it just kind of tells the story of how, you know, words have always been really important to me. So it's just maybe the sound of the word that, that made me say that that's what I wanted to become. Uh, interesting, interesting. So how old were you? You you wanted you heard somebody say broker words. Just hearing it had an influence on you, not even knowing what it was. How old were mm-hmm. you when you were certain you were certain that you wanted to be a writer? Oh wow, that was it was in high school, um, and I had a really I I had a really good teacher, um, and. Uh, there were a few of us. Uh, we were all pretty much from the same neighborhood, and so we would we would drive to the school together because it was pretty. It was on the opposite end of town, and uh, he encouraged all of us. And there was there was four of us, and we had almost like a kind of a little salon in back in his apartment. Um, some maybe two or maybe two or three nights a month, and he uh, really encouraged us as a. As as writers and communicators, and that really meant a lot to me. And he had just really had high praise for for me. That the, the the things that, uh, you know, they were things that a 16 or 17 year old would write. I don't think I would be 
very proud of them if I were to read them right now, but he really saw something in it, and that was really important to me. So um, just that kind of uh, that encouragement that I got. Okay, and you and I've heard people say just the opposite. We had a guest when she did go on to write, but she had a teacher who just tore up a something that she wrote and turned in to school in mm. class, and she said she didn't write for years and years and years. Ah. So it, it's it, for you, you had somebody encouraging you, and that's how you knew you wanted to do it. You also are an illustrator, and I'm looking mm-hmm. at something you illustrated right now, even as I'm. Uh, interviewing you what a talent that some people i've had say to me i don't understand how anybody takes a blank page or a blank computer screen and creates a story they just don't understand it it for me Hmm. is the drawing how do you take something that's not there and create this image and people who are artists like an illustrator like yourself or painters they literally spend hours just Perfecting their craft One piece they can spend hours on it They can spot the slightest little thing Off with it that anybody else Would totally miss So that's something that is a a, a mystery To me How did you get started Hmm. illustrating uh, Andy and is that your first love Or would you say writing is your first love I, I would say that the drawing is definitely the first love, and so it was uh, it was drawing that I studied more at the university. I, I majored in art, and um, and even way way before then, as as a kid, I, I I used to love comic books, and and so my uh, I, had, I had two brothers, and and we we used to we were, we were all had some we all had some degree of artistic talent. And so we we drew a lot, and we kind of had these contests with each other. And we tried to uh, come up with new new cartoons. Uh, we would make new, maybe new comic book superheroes, and we were always kind of like it, it, there was that that kind of healthy uh, rivalry between siblings that, that got us to 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 work to show each other what we were doing and try to try to one up each other. And um, and so yeah, I, I was the one of the three of us. I was the only one that it really really stuck with. But I think the experience of the three of us kind of uh, trying to um, outdo each other at a, this would have been really, really young age, maybe maybe well eight, nine, ten. That was uh, kind of made me feel well. I really, really like this. I, I, I like doing this, and uh, this is kind of who I am. Okay, so now your books, the Angel Corpse, mm-hmm. uh, and the let the letting go, which is easier to say than to mm-hmm. do. Where did you get uh, the yeah. idea, the angel course, again, when I catch myself really zoning in on me and I got to do this and that, that is when you, I feel the least happy. And it's not that you can yes. always focus on other people because you do have to, self-love is, I think, critical. But where did you get the mm-hmm. idea that it's beneficial to put others Others first, and it's something that women do a lot of. You can overdo this too, though. You can overdo mm-hmm. putting others first, and then that's not good. So if you could talk about that right. balance, and what do you mean when you say put others first? Because you can't neglect yourself either. Because you can't that's give right. what you don't that's have. That's absolutely right. Yes, the there, there's a chapter in the book. Sure, I'd love to. There's, there's a chapter in the book specifically uh, referencing that. It's the, the, chap, the chapter of the book is titled "Angels, Not Doormats," where I really want to make that distinction between, you know, this. The, the, nothing in the book is trying to recommend that we should 
kind of just uh, just put ourselves aside and live completely for in in servitude to others uh that that there's we can't make anybody happy that way um so the the book is definitely not about that and and i you know i really i i make that uh, that point in the book but um but the other thing that you said is that when we put ourselves first and foremost and really just become so focused on ourselves that is not a path to happiness either uh because we just obsess and we can never really make ourselves happy uh we'll we'll, we'll never please ourselves and uh, and and it'll all be so short-sighted it, it'll it'll we can we can give ourselves like little little maybe packets of happiness if we, if we come up on top in one particular day or one particular instant mm-hmm. but then we're just going to have to go right back and and then we just have to go right back and do the whole thing all over again we'll wake up the next morning and think okay well who do i have to impress today or, or how, how can i wow. how can i win my own approval today so yeah, it's it's a it's a fruitless task um, that that I, I you know I can't live by. How did um, you come so, up yeah. with that ideal? Though? Mm-hmm. How did you come up to well, the ideal that it's more beneficial? To, where did that even come from? That concept for you? Well, I think it it came first. It kind of people taught me that because uh, there were different people in my life who they they obviously were doing that. And uh, um, and so there were there I mentioned a couple of them in in the book, but uh, I was uh, a lot of my life uh, has kind of gone in the direction of where if if somebody hadn't been there, and somebody hadn't stepped in in the right way in a really tender way and really kind of a a, a way that they were they were able to uh, really provide service to me that I really needed just kind of on the spot they didn't get anything out of it, um, but I got everything out of it. And uh, if they hadn't shown up when they did, how they did, then my life would be on a, on a, on a completely different path, and I, I don't think it would have been as good of a path. So um, just basically, just kind of looking back over my life and thinking, wow, there was there were people that just really they just really stepped in. They didn't have to, and uh, they so they were my angels, right? I mean, that was that was the way I saw. It. They were they were my angels. They were they. There they were, and and just when I needed them, and and they didn't they didn't ask for anything in return, and so I thought, well, you know, that would be, um, I, I, they're they're teaching me, they they that that's how to live, and so it became a, a sort of a core philosophy of mine. Uh, other other people and now, and now you're doing that good work, in in helping others to see the benefit. And again, and I, and I appreciate that you have that. Don't be a doormat, because there are enough people doing mm-hmm. that. That's not the answer, as well. Do we join the Angel Corps, Andy? When when do we become members? Do we join the Angel Corps? And I just some reason I was thinking about Christ's disciples. I picked his disciples. Do we join the Angel Corps when we help, forgive, care for, and love others? How how does what does it take to become a member of the Angel Corps? Well, I think it's it's this, it's really um, the first thing is to have an understanding that it well, like I said, it's you, and like we're both saying, it's not being a doormat. So it's just uh, the, the the point of the, my book, The Angel Corps, is that these are these are kind of smallish. Maybe they they don't cost the the doer a huge amount. They're not these huge sacrificial things we we need to do, but they mean so much to the people that we do them for, or, or the animals that we do them for. I talk, I, there's a chapter about uh, just doing doing simple things, caring for caring for the animals in our midst. But um, that 
that an act, an angel act of service, is always going to be mean much more to the person who receives it than it's going to require from the person who does it. So I guess maybe the first thing is it's really not that hard. It's just uh, and 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 the the next thing is be able just look look for look for opportunities because they're everywhere. Um, when you know you just wake up in the you wake up in the morning and you say I'm in I'm in today I'm a member of the Angel Corps, and uh, so there's going to be moments in this day when somebody or some some animal some creature is going to need something, and uh, most of the time maybe all of the time ideally that I'll do it I won't I won't I won't talk myself out of it. Um, I'll, I'll I'll step up to the plate, and and that is so easy to do. And and I don't know if you ever heard mm-hmm. of this book, A Course in Miracles. In it, Christ says we yes. have countless opportunities every day to 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 awaken mm-hmm. and to really really do good for ourselves and others. And we often just let those opportunities. Go by because we're so zoned in on me, 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 me. That's right. Yes. Yeah. I'm very, very familiar with that book. And and Ah. that book was very influential for me. Can you tell us about some of the people or events that uh, that you you cover in the the Angel Corps? And where did you get the Uh idea for that title, that the Angel Corps as well? (laughs) Well, it's just it's from the, the it's the Marine Corps, you know the, the the Marine Corps. It's a group of people. They're dedicated, and so I just had this idea. Well, um, it's it, we're not an official group, but there we could there, I, there are people. As I said, like when I was a child, there were there were people that they just somehow knew that the best thing to do was to to provide service when the opportunity appeared, um, because I saw that in my own life. I saw people doing things things for me or you know help it my my mom was a a single mom and 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 so uh um you know helping her and and so just the way that people would just kind of come in and not not ask for anything just out of out of the goodness of their heart and i i thought there really is this this kind of team this and uh we don't, and i thought a lot of the people who are members of the angel corps they they certainly don't think of themselves as members of the angel corps but they would say yeah i know there are other people out there that have kind of got it they get that this is this is the the right way to live and uh, and I so I just feel like there's a kind of a group energy, even though there's not any official name. I thought, well, I'll just give it an official name. I'll just you know, I'll, I'll pretend that this is this is this like worldwide organization because in fact I think that it is. Mhm. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And every one of us, but we we do substitutes for. Uh, uh, you're not gonna meet a person who's not, and maybe even all animals we. For some reason, we're zoned in on me. That's like the top yeah. thing, me. And then, yeah. um, uh, it, but it, it, we're we're here to do a greater a greater work, and not a not a martyr's work. It's little simple things. Uh, I know, right. it's like we go back to Course in Miracles. It tells you that we're all connected, and there's no way to hurt one person and not hurt yourself, and there's no way mm-hmm. to do good. To somebody, a, a genuine good, and it mm-hmm. not be good for you. But we come up with substitutes. We come up with, yeah. let me go to church, and then I won't love. I'll just go to church, and that'll make that'll uh, be enough. Yeah. Let, me, right. let me let me meditate, and then when I come out of my meditation, if somebody cuts me off in traffic, I'll curse them out. But then I but I uh-huh. can still meditate. 
<laughs> yeah. We don't get it. <laughs> yes. It's almost yes, like right, exactly. And in what ways can reading the uh the Angel Corp the book, how can it help somebody who may have given up on their own life or humanity as a whole? They've observed the way things are going on in the world. Maybe they don't get everything mm-hmm. they want. They're getting frustrated. And they're like, okay, that's mm-hmm. it, I'm done. How can reading the Angel Corpse help somebody who's who's reached that point? Wow, that that's a really excellent question. I think, um, in some ways, it's it's meant to be it's a, a it's a pep talk. It's it's kind of saying, you know, it's it's. I, I think I'm in that same place. I, I really don't. I don't think of myself as being in the higher rank. I mean, I'm not a sergeant or a lieutenant or a general in the Angel Corps. I'm a private like everybody else or like most of us. But um, so I, I want to talk from the perspective of somebody who is also just just doing this as a series of daily decisions and and uh, um, and being trying not to be too hard on myself and definitely not trying to be too hard on my readers. Um, just saying, you know, just just do it, just try it. And and if you don't get back on your horse, you know, some, sometimes you're gonna you're gonna walk by that homeless person and you're gonna feel so into to your own self and your own problems that that you you maybe you won't, you know, you'll you'll just walk by. And then, but then just think, well, that was a missed opportunity. I I I could have done more, and I it, and that's okay. But I'll do better next time. Um, but to just make it a, a sort of a kind of an ongoing commitment. And so I, for me, I think the the first thing is that 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 message. Every morning I wake up and I say I'm in, and I remind myself. That's that's what I do. I say I, I wake up, I get up, and I say I'm in. So I'm just kind of sending that message to to myself and to the universe that. I remember that I'm a member of the Angel Corps, and, and I'm ready for the things that the day's going to bring me. And so I think that might be one of the first things is that that the book provides you a reminder to just make it a daily commitment. Because you, if we don't do something every day, then we we quickly get out of that habit. So to make it a habit, I think maybe that's maybe that's one of the, the strengths of the book is that it really reminds you to make it a habit. Mm. Yeah. Like, you ever yeah, like, like, your brush, like brushing your teeth. Yes. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Had uh-huh. had you ever lived your life really self-absorbed? And I'm thinking, I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, Morty Lefko. He's crossed over, but he said 30 years he struggled in that. Not he struggled with depression, which makes sometimes I think that is when we become too self-absorbed. Of course. There could be there are chemicals going on in the brain, but who knows right, what kicks right. those off? Um, yeah. But you have to be somewhat self-absorbed to choose to be miserable a lot. Mm-hmm. You have to really yeah. be so self. Had you gone through a period? Eckhart Tolle is another one, the the author of the Power of Now. Yes, when I yes. read his book, he struggled mm-hmm. with depression for years, and he said one day he just decided, "I'm not going to worry, not today." <laughs> and it's like right, I know. Like I'm just I'm not I'm I'm not I'm not living another groundhog today. I'm not going to live yeah. this day again ever. I'm I'm, right, I'm he, just not he going to had, had you had you mm. Yeah, did you have a period well, in your I, life where you day after day was like you were just dragging yourself around and then you had an aha moment? Uh well I don't know. I mean, I definitely, I myself have struggled with uh, with uh, self doubt and uh, kind of low self esteem for for quite a bit of my life. Um, and I and I and I agree with you that there's a there's a, a tremendous amount of self absorption in that too. Um, 
So I, but I don't think it was like an Eckhart Tolle kind of movement. But I, I don't. I know that there was one point um, when uh, I was living in California, and uh, we uh, that as California has so many. And actually, I write about this in the book. But California has so many fires, as you know. And uh, we, uh, my my wife and I, and our our, our baby daughter, we lost our apartment in uh, in one of those fires. But uh, oh what was it, we were living up on the hill, and so we we had to kind of it was it was really you know very cinematic the way we had to kind of drive away with with fire on all sides, and I do I describe that in the book. But the thing that I uh, that kind of kicked in for me there was that out of the corner of my eye. Um, as I was making my way out, I was the one driving the car, um, I, I noticed a, a woman who looked really kind of lost and abandoned. She she was standing near uh, the firefighters, but somehow I got, you know, I just, I, I really sensed that she, she needed a ride down that 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 hill. And so uh, um, I, I quickly pulled the car over and, and um and and just kind of motioned for her to get in the car, and she did. And it it almost happened so uh, like it had, almost like it had been scripted. That's probably the best way to describe it. it. It happened very very quickly, but it was like she knew and I knew, and and the the people in the cars and behind me knew uh, that I uh, we were you know we were going to get her down that hill, and uh, and we did, and you know she she was able to reunite with her family, and and what that really what the reason that was so powerful for me was because. I had always kind of thought of myself as somebody that would get halfway down the hill and then think, you know what, I should have, I should have stopped. I should have let that person in. I, I, it wasn't that I didn't want to. It was that I would have been, I just would have been distracted, or I wouldn't have caught on until it was too late. That was kind of the image that I had of myself. And this was the first time that I really kind of saw myself acting very decisively and doing the right thing. And and I I really felt that it had been a guided moment, like I was maybe somehow, kind of all the all the different times in the past where people had had been there for me, had kind of finally coalesced into this understanding that I had, that uh, that I could I could act and I could you know I could be that I could be that angel, and uh, and so that maybe that moment was what really kind of kicked it in. You know, wouldn't it be crazy if you ran across that lady years later and it was referred? Mm. <laughs> you, you, yeah. you, you, you never know. You know. You never know. You never know. Yeah, it, yeah, it's it's a, it's a it's a powerful story in a, in a lot of ways, which is why I put it in the book because uh, even though we had been living in that apartment for close to a year. Um, I had just seen her that morning for the first time. Even b- before I saw her that that one time, out of the corner of my eye, we had the briefest of encounters about maybe an hour and a half earlier, just kind of walking through the hall together and saying hi. It was we had we'd been living to get living in the same building for eight months and never seen each other at all. And then that morning I saw her, and that was the morning that I was able to provide that service. So it just, like I said, it all just seemed like it had been just kind of somehow, somehow arranged, right? I mean, in the in the great mystery of things. Yeah. Did, 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 was, did somebody know this was going to happen, or was somebody was somebody helping to set this up or nudge this along? Uh, I, you know, that 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 was the feeling that I was left with. Now, is I like you more each day? Is is that a children's mm-hmm. book? Uh, for off-the-shelf listeners, we're talking. We, we just got through talking about the Angel Court, which 
it, that's yeah. something we each have to do, and I encourage you to go out and get the Angel Court book by Andy Bolger, but but also to um, to do what's in the book, to do what's mm-hmm. in the book, you know, uh, to do the good that that mm-hmm. we're encouraged to do in the book. So many billions of people read spiritual books from the Bible mm-hmm. on, but how mm-hmm. many actually mm-hmm. do? Do right. we're in our world? And we're like, is everybody just reading? Or is anybody doing this stuff? Right. Now, it, <laughs> right. it, it, yeah. So to talk about one of your other books, and then I definitely want uh, to get to talking about your your illustrations, which sure. again that just baffles me. But is I like you more each day? Is that a children's book? And if so, what ages is I like you more each day? And what a wonderful title! What ages is it? Oh, thank that you. Book written for? I think that I like you more each day is probably for uh it it, it would definitely be a book that that parents could start reading to 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 maybe little girls more than little boys because the main character is a is a little girl um but that uh, a little girl would could would start liking for herself and maybe hopefully keep liking from anywhere some maybe the age of 11 or so um she's a okay. Meg who's a, Meg is the main character, and she's she's pretty precocious. She probably looks like about a five-year-old, I think, maybe maybe even maybe a four-year-old, and uh, but she's a precocious five-year-old, and uh, so she and she uses kind of maybe some of the words that that I would use rather than a, than, a, than a four-year-old little girl would use, but um, I don't think in an over-the-top way. I mean, it's this is definitely not a, a, an adult. Dressed up as a little girl talking, if you, if you know what I mean. I mean, she it it it, it has a child, she has a child sensibility. Um, but yeah, I think you know, uh, I guess yeah. Like if if a if a mom was to start reading these to her, her daughter when she was five or six, or, or well, I guess at that age she'd be reading it herself. But maybe even a little bit or a little bit younger. But but it's meant to be more of a book that you would keep. You know, it, it's it's kind of like a. A Winnie the Pooh, or, or a, um, it has a lot of illustrations, where it would just be a companion with you for um, not just one stage of your life, but hopefully you'd you'd make friends with with Meg and her the people that, the the animals that she interacts with in the book, and uh, you would keep it along with you because it's it's verse and I think they're witty and. Uh, um, I, you know, so I think that you can get enjoyment out of them pretty much at, at any age. Okay, now so is is this a is this like a storybook or is a book more a verse? Is there a challenge that Meg faces? Okay, okay. Well, she now, she does, you know, she, she does. Yes, but, but it it doesn't. There's no narrative. I mean, it, it's, there are there's a there's a couple of link pieces. Like at the at the beginning of the book, she's uh, she's looking. She's kind of just fallen off a bike, and she's. Pretty much saying I'm not gonna I'm not gonna ride this thing. This is just a waste of time. I'm just gonna stick with my my three wheeler because this is hard. And uh, so there's a, a kind of a witty poem about about deciding that oh forget about this. I'm not gonna learn how to ride a bike. But then at the end of the book, she's there's another poem where she has learned. So there there are those sort of character arcs. But each each poem itself is 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 meant as an individual kind of vignette or a, a little story itself. Now, did you illustrate so, yeah. all of all of yeah. 
did you illustrate all the the cover and the pages? Not only for I, I did, like yes. Voyage Day, but did you? But for each of your books, and can you tell us what it, what is the process of illustrating not just the cover but the pages? Do you literally see images in your head, and then you take it and you mirror it on a piece of paper or whatever? How does that work? It's really um, sometimes it's like that, and yeah, and, and first of all, to answer the question, yeah, I did do the the uh, I did the artwork for the the cover of the Angel Court too, which is more of a kind of a a full on painting, and then I've done uh, and there are a few illustrations in the Angel Court, and then plenty of illustrations in Grown Up's Garden of Verse, and I like you more each day, and Letting Go, but um, yeah, it's almost hard to to describe it that way because I don't really necessarily think that I do see images in my head that I then try to re- recreate um, on on paper. I, I I think the process is much more uh, interactive, like your, the hand and the lines that you start with and where they go, and uh, um, so I yeah it's. It would it would it would be inaccurate to say that I see a picture kind of like fully formed in my head and then I reproduce it. Um, I I don't experience it that way at all. But I do think that that there's there are definitely these kind of inspirations. Oh, okay, that's what I I, I see. I want to do something like that. They kind of just pop up in your head and you think, oh yeah, okay, that, I, I could try that. Or I want to do that. That that be that would be a good idea. That'd be fun. Um, so yeah, more like that. Kind of almost like a conversation that you have inside your head. That you then continue out onto the paper. Okay, okay. And you probably, that is a, I mean, the illustrations, whether it's a cover or the inner pages, brings the book to life. So mm-hmm. to what you'd have to pay an illustrator, do you, do you, in addition to illustrating your books, you're saving a lot of money doing that, do you also do illustrations for other children's books and do you also do create and sell your own original artwork and if so can you tell our listeners where they can learn more about or purchase your other original pieces oh thank you well um the uh the the question about illustrating others i do do that um in fact uh, so there's a there's a, a real fun book called what does the tooth fairy do with our teeth by author denise barry and uh i that's that's a great one for for little kids for small kids and uh i i did the illustrations for that book so if i'll just say that one more time just in case anybody what does the tooth fairy do with our teeth that's also a book of verse by denise berry and i did the illustrations in that my brother chris berger is uh he's a, a he's started to self publish some novels and so i've done the covers for for his book so if anyone wanted to like do an amazon check of just my name the last the spelling of my last name, B-O-E-R-G-E-R, with Chris, C-H-R-I-S. And so you can see my art on the cover of, uh, of his books. Um, but uh, in terms of like uh, selling my artwork, yes, uh, it, that does happen. Um, and one thing that I'm kind of, what I really, really want to work on this summer is uh, promoting like goods, like uh, T-shirts and, and uh, uh, maybe mugs and, and bat, tote bags, things like that. So that would be something. I don't have a website for that yet, but I would just say if anyone wants to, you know, check out my what, what I do have up now, like my, my online presence, then uh, when I, I'm going to get this this going, that you'd be able to buy my work on T-shirts and uh, other forms of uh, things that you can carry, things that you can wear. So that's that's kind of the plan for this summer, and I'm I'm very excited about it. 
Oh, please, will you will you promise to send me an email so I can check it out when it's uh, when it's open? Please add me to your. Oh, abs- abs- absolutely, of course. Yeah, want oh. to, we had a guest, and just I just thought of it, Shu Chen, and she has worked with some national and internationally known folks, and you never know what people people do. But she came on off the shelf and. Add me to your distribution list, and she did, and she keeps me up with. She owns a dance company, and she in the D.C. area, and she keeps me up with uh, with what's going on. And so, please add me to your distribution list because I'd love to to see your your original artwork and continue supporting you. Um, we thank just you. got through talking about. Oh no! Thank you. We just talked. We talked about the Angel Corp, and I like you more each day, which is a children's book. You said more for kids age eleven with uh, Meg, and it's a book of verse. Oh, now I want to talk about letting go. This is um, uh-huh. even just the thought. The thought, and it's it's easier to say than to actually do. It is yes. it's hard to do. It's, who, it's, who it's are, might, who it might be characters? the hardest. Yeah. It really might yes. be the hardest thing of all, yeah. And we let go, then we grab um, back on. You let it hmm. puts me in mind of the Moses Pharaoh. I I still think that story is about the same one mind or person, just two sides. There's the one that's mm-hmm. for the freedom, and the one that okay, you can go, but under only under these conditions. And then okay, you can go. No, I changed my mind. <laughs> <We're doing laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. We do the same thing yes. inside inside that's of ourselves. That's true. Yeah, yes. I never really thought of it that way. You're, you're right. That's yeah, that is what that. Yeah, that. Hmm. It's, it's 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 the same battle inside ourselves. Who who are the uh-huh. characters who show up in your book, Letting Go? There's really only one main character. It's a little boy, but he has his 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 allies, the ones that actually help him break through and let go, are are, are birds. So he's a little boy, but he's a, he's a pilot, and uh, so he's uh, he's he's in a plane, and uh, at the, in the beginning of the book, he's kind of he's just he's on top of the world. He loves flying. He's he's in the sky. He calls the sky his home, and his his friends are the birds. And then he gets he gets uh, knocked out of the sky. A, a big storm comes, and uh, that's the that's that's the beginning of the end for him in terms of you know that that really. That takes him out of childhood and and uh, and really kind of just hits him with the cold hard face of reality, and so uh, mm. and so he's falling and he's no longer you know in control he's no longer soaring, and uh, mm. and then he goes through a series of uh, it's it's a very short book it's really it's a parable uh, it's it's well, a fable maybe a fable is the right way to, to put it. Um, but then, uh, through a series of, uh, of episodes, he finally, he finally does let, he, he lets go and he gets, he gets his wings back in, in, in a better way. And he, he, wow. um, he gets, he gets new wings. And so that's, that's the story. Yeah. The, the storm, the, 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 the thing that happens that scares us, like again, Morty Lafco, his work, the Lafco Institute, he talks about how when we're kids, we give meanings to things. And mm-hmm. we, even though we don't realize that there are thoughts or a, a belief is just a thought you think over and over and over till you're just convinced mm-hmm. it's true, mm-hmm. even if it's a lie. Mm-hmm. And these yeah. beliefs are hidden. We hide them from ourselves. We gave the event mm-hmm. a meaning, 
you ask your parent for something, they turn around and look at you, and they, they have a frown. And so you tell yourself if you ask people for things, it will make them mad at you so you don't ask people mm-hmm. for stuff. But you gave it that mm-hmm. meaning. You don't know why the person is frowning. You gave it that meaning. Right. It turns into a belief. It goes down into the subconscious, and it literally stops you from getting things. It literally controls yeah. your life. And you could have dozens of these going on under mm. under the surface. So the the letting go, the character in your book, a storm comes, something scares it, you give it a meaning, whatever, and he learns, hey, I, in order to store again, i got to let this stuff go. What advice can you give someone who's struggling, Andy, uh, either from your personal experience, from working with others, the angel corp, helping people, how you see how people respond when others show them, love and kindness, but what advice can you give someone who's struggling to forgive her himself and and just once and for all just cut that cord and let go of the past? Well, I think maybe like the the I I would say that that's uh, the once and for all is maybe kind of that that's the there's a kind of a danger there of thinking that okay it, it's it's a going to be a continual struggle you know you're never you're going to. It's going to have to be a decision that you make today and today and today. And so, uh, you, there. Of course, there's going to be breakthroughs. Um, but I think that anyone who's feeling that they just really want to let go of something, um, that that just exactly what you described with the Pharaoh saying, "Okay, wait a minute. I I decided I'm not going to let you go." Those, it's um, those thoughts will be. They'll gradually lose their power um, as we kind of. As we shift our life and we 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 move away from something that 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 doesn't serve us anymore, and we move in another direction, but the very thing that that kind of that real glue, that real visceral thing that sticks us to something, um, it's that's going to be there in some shape or form because that's really part of who we are. So I would, I guess, the first thing would just be just be really, really patient with yourself, and uh, you know let yourself. Go through all the different uh, the, the fear. You know, fear is okay. It's all right to be afraid. It's all right to be worried. It's all right to to, to think that you're making a big mistake. It, it, all of those kind of um, those this, these emotions are are okay. They're part of the human experience. And so I guess that may, maybe it would just be just be really patient. Um, you know, it's it's a it's an ongoing process. Mm. And I also think. The, just having the intention, especially if it's a, a natural intention, to want to continue to awaken and go forward. Mm-hmm. If you just, mm-hmm. if that's still there, uh, I, I do believe you'll keep advancing. But patience is important because it's easy to become impatient yeah. with yourself. It, it is easy to with yourself and with other people. Also, to let know other people are on a journey. And mm-hmm. let, don't try to rule their journey. Let them let right. them be on their journey as as, as well. Now you also yeah, address how. Go ahead. Uh, well, you said something there just now that I thought was was really was really powerful, and I I, I totally agreed with. And it it just made me think that um, that that we are yeah this idea that we're on a journey and that life is going to always kind of create. Just these ways for us to 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 move forward, and some of those are going to be seen as as problems. Of course, I mean that's that's one of the big ones. Is that uh, that maybe the, the second piece of the, of advice that I would would give to anyone um, was 
is that we should think of our life as kind of an experiment. You know, we, we instead of uh, thinking of it as this big heavy thing that we're doing and that we're always doing it wrong or so forth, we should really kind of enjoy the process of just thinking how much we can learn so much about the human experience through being a human being. And so make it, make, you know, make it a study, make, make your life a study, make it a kind of a yoga practice just to, to, be in touch with yourself and all the different experiences that you're having. Just think of it as, as this incredible learning experience. Mm, yes, yes. Now, you address how poetry uh, can benefit us, and I, I'm telling you, such such few words. One, I read a poem years ago by Alice Walker, and I think it, she used ten words, and mm. how she packed a wallop with those ten words. I said, oh, yeah. I could only ever do that. It was, uh, I mean, mm. the emotional impact that she used with ten words was phenomenal. Mm. I it just, I was like a solid punch with just ten mm. words. So you talk about how poetry can benefit us in a grown-up's garden of verses. Can you tell mm-hmm. us, how how does poetry, though, and, you know, a lot of people go in the bookstore, they'll read a whole poetry book. You can sit down in a Barnes & Noble and read the whole book and walk out and don't even buy the book. But how can yeah. poetry keep us connected? Uh, and before I go on, please buy the book. <laughs> the whole book. Oh, thank you. you thank know, you. Yes, please. And focus on trying to get... And that and and when you go into the bookstore and you read a book of poetry, don't just read the whole book and say, "Oh, I got something for uh-huh. me." Support, right, support right. The that's, writer. That's really yeah. The writer didn't. Uh-huh. It wasn't free for the for the for the writer. Yes. So how can yes, poetry? Right. How can it keep us connected to the wonder as we get older and we're like, "Oh, I've seen trees before. Oh, I've seen birds before," and we lose the mm-hmm. wonder for of life. How can it help but keep us connected to the wonder wonder of life that we we had when we were kids? Yeah, well, that's a that's a great. Um, I think uh, that's that is what it can do, and I, I hope that that's what uh, I achieve with with the grown ups garden because these are there these are verse which I you know when I was a kid I loved I loved the the Dr. Seuss and and uh, you know some of some of the. Uh, um, some of the, well, maybe Lewis Carroll and different things, different kinds of verses that I loved as a kid, and uh, then somehow that becomes that just kind of goes out. That's 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 the literature for children, and we adults, you know, we're too grown up for that kind of a thing. So the reason I created a grown up garden of verse was something that that these would be that same kind of uh, verse style, but that it would be for adults. It would be something that we we big grown ups can 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 look at and enjoy and have fun with. So. Um, that yeah, that that that's a great question. How, how do we keep that child's mind? And uh, one well, one I think is that one of the great things about poetry is is metaphors. And so uh, they that one of the reasons that they're so powerful and they can do so much with so few words is because they have that. Uh, well, a lot of them do anyway. They, they find those those metaphors that kind of give us a new way of looking at looking at things. So they the the beauty of a metaphor is the the fresh the fresh approach, the fresh way of looking, the way things are. Oh, Yes, this thing that I see all the time, but now I'm seeing it as something else. That's that's I never thought of it that way before, um, and so that 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 kind of returns us to that child's mind, where every day 
because we're young. We're 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 still so unformed. Every day we're 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 seeing something with new eyes. We're kind of we're we're learning about the world. So I think metaphors and poems, they they give us a chance to to do that again, to look at things that we had seen before, but see it in a new way. So it's like we're seeing it for the first time. Um, so I think that's the power of poetry. And I, I yeah, definitely for me, I, I think that. Um, well, that metaphor is one of the, the kind of the mainstays of, of my work, I think, both in, in, in drawing and in writing. And also humor, because child, kids laugh a lot more than adults. <laughs> they, they just do. They, kids, yeah. kids find it yeah. easier to, yeah, or maybe, maybe not every, maybe I'm overgeneralizing, but I mean, just in a, in a, in a general sense. We 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 laugh less as we get older, and I think that's something that's you know that that's too bad that that happens because it's really fun to laugh, and kids kind of seem to have that figured out. You know, I'm, it, one thing that just popped into my head. My cousin does this, and another writer friend, the adult coloring mm-hmm. books. It's it's it, I don't know what happens mm-hmm. to us, and I'm not saying that when we turn forty we should act like we're five years old, but yeah, right. Seriousness. There's a seriousness that comes with uh, being an adult. You're expected to be, like, so serious. And then when we do tell jokes, a lot of times adult jokes, they're, they're, they're intended to harm somebody. It's almost like there has to be somebody who's the butt of the joke. Yeah. When we when we have our adult humor as kids, we just laugh about more simpler things, and nobody has to be being made fun of. Not that kids can't be mean, but as an adult, when mm. you hear a lot of jokes, there's a group, there's a group or a, a single individual who's often the target of the joke. It's just, right. It's, it's just something shifts in us as we get older. How can we? Which leads me into this question. So you've written this grown-up garden. Grown Ups Garden of Verse, Letting Go, How to Be a Member of the Angel Corps. Just wake up and say I'm in. If I see an opportunity that the universe presents me to to practice love with another person, whether it's helping somebody or just saying a kind word, I'm in. I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. All these things. That's right, yeah. How, how can we loosen up more, Andy, and have more fun as adults? Why do we think that being adults means you can't have fun without <laughs> drugs? Without alcohol, <laughs> right? Without, uh-huh. without, without chemicals, just, just simple, natural fun. How can we loosen up and have more fun as a, as adults without any chemicals involved? Wow, I, that's yeah. I, I, I think uh, we there's like, that's a good thing. The, the what you said about the chemicals, because it's not just it's not just uh, like the physical chemicals, like a drug. But I mean, there are chemicals like what everybody watching the same television shows and stuff too. That that we I think that what I think what what kind of what happens is with adults is that we we we're, we know that we're supposed to have fun, but it becomes these kind of avenues that are somewhat limited, like you can have fun by going on this vacation, or you can have fun by watching this movie, this Hollywood movie, or you can have fun, as you said, by taking this this drug or drinking this alcoholic beverage or uh, going to this club. So it becomes, there's a kind of a commercial element, right? You, you buy, you buy fun when you're, when you're an adult. Um, and, and uh, I think the, what, when I see kids, sometimes they're just having—they just make it happen. They, they, it's not something yes. that's uh, yeah. a lot of times. It, 
a lot of times it is because I mean there's there's so much marketing to children, right? I mean there's so much merchandising of products to kids. So we that and we all every kid knows what it's like that your eyes light up when you see all those presents under a Christmas tree. So I, I, I you know there's 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 a there's going to be a commercial element to to happiness pretty much at any stage of your life. That's just the world that we live in. But uh, I do see that children have this way of. Uh, of just making laughter happen out of nothing um, that is so charming that um, I think we just have to be willing to be a little bit silly. Um, you know, I don't, I, to, frankly, I don't have a, a great bit of advice uh, that I would give to anybody about that. You know, I think your question is so good, but I don't know what the answer is. But I would say um, just try to be more spontaneous. Just, just, let yourself, just let yourself be silly the way that, that kids do. Um, and you know it, it won't hurt. It, it doesn't hurt as much as you think it will. Is that something that you? If if the reason that you don't do something is because you're embarrassed, then try to do it anyway. Um, ah. If it's not going to hurt anybody, yeah, just 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 say, okay, I am going to be embarrassed. Well, because this is kind of silly, but when I was a kid, that probably didn't stop me. So I won't exactly. let it stop me now either. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Can you share a few? I I can hardly believe that we only have four minutes left. I feel like I've only <laughs> we've been only been only been interviewing for ten minutes, and it's almost over. Yeah, me too. Can you share a few? Uh, can you share a few tips? I definitely want to help the our off the shelf listeners who are writers. Can you share a few tips, mm-hmm. Andy, as to what writers can look for in a good book illustrator? Ah, um. Yeah, writers should. Uh, there, there has to be a strong connection. The, 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 the illustrator would would need to. I feel is going to really have to identify with with some aspects of 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 the, the book that they're they're being commissioned or asked to write. So if you get a sense that the person is treating it really as only a, as a job, then. Um, there might be times when that would work, where you just need something, and it's it's kind of I just need somebody that I know has professional skills, and they're going to do this, and they're going to get this done, and they're just going to treat this as 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 the this the job that they are going to do for the next two months. But I would definitely uh, think I would ask writers to uh, to try to get a sense that the person who you're you're giving this project to has a real strong feeling for something about the book some character in the book or some 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 maybe the writing itself the language maybe the maybe the illustrator really likes the way that this writer uh uh crafts paragraphs and so they would like to make a drawing that would somehow have that some of that same that same energy that same uh feeling um so that there would be some form of love or passion that you would get uh, you would get a sense that the illustrator has for some part of the project that you're you're presenting to them. It doesn't have to be everything. They don't have to feel that your book is the, like the greatest thing in the world, but there'd be some something about your writing that that does have appeal to them because that would be the thing that the illustrator will kind of they'll they'll latch onto that, and and that'll that'll make that'll make the illustration more interesting than it would have been uh, if if there if that hadn't have been there. So it might, okay. it might, like I said, so, it might be, yeah, yeah, that that would be it, yeah. Where can listeners get copies of your books, Andy? Well, I've, you know, I've got my Amazon page. So uh, just uh, if you, uh, my my name is Andy Berger, A N D Y B O E R G E R, 
and uh, there I am. Uh, um, Check out my Amazon page, and the book, the links are there. And uh, I would really love for uh, for some readers, uh, some listeners, to uh, to pick up one or two of my books because I, I just think they're, they're they're fun. They're fun books, and and I I you know I I feel that there's there's a lot in there. They're slim books. They're they're not they're not lengthy, but there's I think well, there's an economy of words, but but a lot gets said. So I really encourage people to buy them, and I I I really hope you enjoy them, and, and I think you will. If you're on in- if you're on any social networks, can you tell us where we can find you on any social media networks? Well, like, uh, Facebook, Facebook definitely. You can definitely. I'll, I'll, I'll friend. I'll friend any, anybody that says that they came across this on Facebook. Yeah, definitely, because that's where I. That's where I spend most of my my online presence. Uh, and then and then I, I do. I post things on Medium.com, and and so if you look for me on uh, Medium.com. Uh, and if you wanted, to, uh, if you just wanted to leave a comment under anything that I posted there, saying, "Oh, I heard you, your interview, and I really liked," then I'll, I can stay connected with people that way too. So those are those are okay. the two, the main ones. We have we have been just blessed to have Andy Borger. He is dialing in, you guys, from Tokyo, and it's probably one in the morning there. And Andy is mm-hmm. the author of the books, The Angel Corpse. And he's also written Letting Go, I Like You More Today, and A Grown-Up's Gardener Versus. He's illustrated books for other authors. He's he's an illustrator and an overall creative. Born in, in Ohio, same as I am, and ended all the way up in, in Tokyo. So we, we are honored to have him online. His website is Andy's Art, A-N-D-Y-S-A-R-T, and it's a hyphen, a-N-D-Y-B-O-E-R-G-E-R.blogspot.com. And I, 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 for some reason, want to leave you with the quote we started with as we wrap up. As I always tell you, you are incredible. I hope one day we all believe this, the truth. You are incredible. You're absolutely amazing. And I encourage you to go out and create a fabulous day for yourself. Put on your calendar Tell everybody you know who loves books, literature, and life to tune in to Off the Shelf at 11 a.m. New York City time. Just You can just put it on your calendar. You can put it on your smartphone, put a reminder on your wall calendar. 11 a.m. So I'm going to tune in to Off the Shelf. But I want to leave you with the quote we started with. I survived because the fire inside me burned brighter than the fire around me. And oddly, Andy talked about a fire he was in in an apartment and where he took his first step toward helping somebody. And then later, now he's writing The Angel Corp and encouraging others to do the same. So we want to thank Andy and hope you will go support him. His last name again, you can type in Andy in a search engine, B-O-E-R-G-E. Are. And he's a he's a great illustrator. Any writers listening, looking for an illustrator, you can find him and and hit him up. He said he's on Facebook and Medium uh, dot com as well. So thank you to Andy. Thank you to all of our listeners. See you back here next Saturday, at 11 a.m. And again, go create a fabulous day for yourself. Bye for now, Andy. I'll shoot you an email. Okay. Thanks so much. <laughs> 